0: What's up, everybody? I'm Aaron Sprinkle. And I'm Matthew Schwartz. And this is Moon Traveling. You learned along the way that you never fall far from heart. Well,
1: hello, everybody. Hello. We are back for another installment of your favorite podcast. Which is moon traveling, of course. <laughs> How are you doing, Aaron? I'm good. How are you? Awesome. Um, as as we mentioned off air, we're both exhausted, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna still kick major butt, major buttocks. Mm-hmm. So we got a uh, super jam packed episode, but we want to get to that as uh, soon as possible. So we'll just kind of go through. Uh, Get all the uh, housekeeping done so we can get to this amazing episode. Um, So uh, I guess, first of all, we started our Patreon uh, when we started our second season, and um, we've gotten a a great response, and we want to thank, personally, the people that signed up. Um, We have, under our space camp, we have uh, Mark Rockwell and Priscilla Gallardo. Oh, man, I hope I don't mess your names up. But we we really appreciate you guys. And under the moon landing um, platform, um, we have Toby Hawkins and Luke Brimmer. So thank you guys so much for yeah, your support. Yeah, thank you. We, uh, we really honestly can't do this without our listeners. And uh, these patrons, uh, you're so amazing because you're going to help us be able to take this further and make this better and bigger, uh, hopefully. So really really appreciate you if you're at all interested go check out our patreon um patreon.com slash moon traveling podcast where you can search there also i believe it's on our uh, facebook instagram and everywhere else um but yeah check it out see if there's a platform that works for you there are certain perks that uh are only going to be available there and Mm -hmm. uh we also are open to taking requests uh, with your ideas of things that we can change or do, either on the show or through the Patreon. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we're going to be
0: adding some really exciting perks in the near future as well. So,
1: yes, most definitely. And um, the, uh, I mean, some of the perks already that you'll get, like if you, uh, we got exclusive stickers and teas, as well as discount on our mer- our merch. Um, And then, um, like Aaron said, we have some other secret stuff that we'll get to. But, um, that being said, that moves us to our next thing that we have, uh, this will come out right before we have three shows, which will be our first moon traveling shows together. Mm -hmm. Are you excited about that, Aaron? Yeah, I'm really excited. It's going to be really fun. We, um, I am excited and scared. (laughs) We have been working really hard to try to come up with some really exciting way to make it uh, not just another show and also not literally you watching two people talk. Uh, so it's going to be a a mix of the two with, with hopefully some good twists and turns. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you are in the Southeastern part of the United States, uh, this coming weekend, April 28th, 29th and 30th, we would love to see you. We're going to be at Velo Fellow in Greenville, South Carolina on April 28th with our good friend, Drew Montgomery. And, uh, then April twenty ninth, we are actually both performing at the Furnace Fest Prom in Columbia, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so, get your corsages and stuff. I've got my. You, do you have a prom outfit, Aaron? Uh, yes. Uh, I, I just want to go ahead and let you know I to have one. I went hard. That that's very exciting. I can't wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so worried that like. I, i'm like other people are like oh, i'm just gonna show up and i'm gonna be like looking you know
0: like nice, like, but, like you know. napoleon dynamite at the <laughs>
1: dance yeah 100 percent. yeah, yeah. That,
0: that would be amazing
1: <laughs> uh so yeah make sure uh if you if you're interested in proming and and furnace fest uh, we also be will be there with dear cavalier um which is an, another great indie musician um, and band and there will also be a dj and another band playing uh the after party uh so check that out and then april 30th we will be in my hometown atlanta georgia at bog social and that's an afternoon show um and uh yeah that's with uh zach Markuski of isabeline and um i've seen his band play a couple times he's super talented so really stoked to to get on the road and kind of try this this thing out and see what works and see what doesn't mm-hmm. and um and we will be taping these shows, and in some capacity, whether it's through the Patreon or, or actually an episode or a part of an episode, I don't. We haven't really figured it out, but we are going to tape it and see what happens.
0: Yeah, it's a big giant experiment,
1: but it should be fun. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm st- I'm stoked. So, um, yeah. Um, and lastly, I would love to take this moment to tell you guys uh, that my project Pacifico just released its new single. Uh, It's called Suddenly, Back at the Start. It is the first single for my uh, upcoming EP, 0522, which is due out June 3rd. There will be another single um, coming out on May 6th as well called Red Eye. We won't go back here. I'm really excited about it. All these songs were written uh, and recorded or at least started recording uh, for them in 2005, and then I finished them in the pandemic, and they're finally out. So they took 17, this song in particular took 18 years to see the light of day. So uh, yeah, you can listen to the first single anywhere that you stream music. Uh, if you want to pre-order the EP. It is a digital only release, but I did uh, partner with the local Atlanta printmaker Marley Winters to create some some merch that uh, is limited edition. Um, we're doing a limited edition handmade prints and tees for this release. Uh, she created the artwork. She is a printmaker, so she literally does woodcut carvings, and it looks amazing. Um, so yeah, make sure you go do that. You can go pre order on my Bandcamp, which is pacifico.bandcamp.com. Yeah. So, um, I guess that's it. Is there anything else that I missed? I don't think you got, so. Got any other news?
0: Mm, not really. huh? Not right now.
1: Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, our episode today is with Stephanie Drury of Stuff Christian Culture Likes. Um, I'm really excited to get to her. So, yes. we are going to jump into our interview with her now. I hope you enjoy. Well, uh, Stephanie, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So good to talk to y'all. So uh, I uh, found a bio of you and for Stuff Christian Culture Likes on the internet, and I would love to kind of read it and see if you think that – I think you wrote it, but see if any of that's changed or or how you feel about it, all that kind of stuff.
2: Okay. (laughs) I have no idea what this is going to be.
1: (laughs) I just wrote it myself. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would probably believe it. Be like, oh, yeah, I, I might have written that in 2008. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I just figured since uh, we have some people that are probably are going to be listening that don't know who you are, that we would kind of uh, get them started off with who you are and then, and then jump into it. So um, I got here that uh, Stephanie Drury is a distracted Southern mommy and a vivacious reader of all things crap. She likes electric blankets, dogs wearing cones, and people with depression because they tend to be nice. She doesn't like earthquakes, goatees, or changing lanes near tractor trailers. Is that correct?
2: None of that has changed. In the <laughs> 20 years since I wrote that.
1: Nice. Is there anything you would add to that?
2: Uh, I wouldn't use the word mommy again. I, I'm, mm. I'm, I have a problem with that word now. It's like it's up there with hubby, you know?
1: Mm. <laughs> so that's mother. And my
2: kids are 17 and 20 now, so. Yeah, uh, nice. Yeah, oh, that's the same. Still love those people with depression, for
1: sure. (laughs) You're talking to two of them right now? Yeah. Right? (laughs) Um, And I have Stuff Christian Culture Likes is an Instagram, Facebook, and a forum for people who have been harmed by Christian culture. Posting evangelical trends and then deconstructing them helps them see that the ideas presented to them all their lives actually can be challenged safely. To offset some of the echo chamber risk, she posts good things as well as sobering things, and she doesn't ban users or delete comments. She offers a space for people who have never had a place where they can speak their true feelings that don't look pretty. After we get this out, and it often takes a while to recover uh, from because it was jeweled into us for so long, we can emerge with true positivity and hope. It is such a beautiful thing when abuse survivors can offer the world something more than their sneer. Until then, they can vent here. I completely understand if it's not your scene. When was that written? (laughs) Uh, 09? Mm. So you've been doing this since 09?
2: I have, but um, I can't access the Facebook page anymore. After I called out Christianity Today for their Mars Hill podcast, in which they didn't center the victims. And um, called me too hostile, vitriolic, and vulgar for them to interview.
1: Love
2: it. So after I said that they weren't interviewing, you know, actual victims and they were platforming Driscoll, they platformed him for years and they still continue to in the podcast, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Um. I couldn't access my stuff. Christian culture likes Facebook page. Just suddenly couldn't. My Instagram went down. My Twitter went down. Whoa, Those cool. two are back up. I still can't get back into the Facebook page. Wow. So make oh, of that what you
1: will. Yeah. Wow! Was there anything you would add or change from this uh, bio about stuff Christian culture likes?
2: Uh, no.
1: Okay. No. Nice. That I was don't easy.
2: Think
1: so. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cool, cool, cool. And and you and Aaron have known each other for for longer than
2: oh god yeah because oh it's so interesting because i was thinking about how um my husband david is a longtime friend of aaron's and uh they're in bands together like in the 90s or, or at least played shows together whatever and um so that's how we uh we fell into being friends when mm-hmm. David and I moved here right after we got married in 1999. We moved to Seattle. Aaron was here. Uh, your then wife, Karina. Elliot was five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and well. um, you guys were so sweet because you guys had history. You guys had the the Christian culture history. Yes. Yeah. None of us had a name for it at the time. And we were all still going to church. And Uh, we were kind of, we'd been deconstructing, but we, um, didn't know what we were dealing with. I don't think any of us were trauma informed. I don't think any of us knew that we grew up in an actual cult. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe uh, some people might dispute that, but I really feel that we did. And, um, I just feel like we were kind of feral children when we met (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we all felt like family to each other in a lot of ways. But for that reason, and I was just really grateful to, to have all of you guys and um, kind of begin the process of separating from my family and trying to figure out what exactly I grew up in. And mm-hmm. is God good? Is God even real? Um, mm-hmm. All these questions that come with having to process what you grew up in mm-hmm. and um, then trying to think for yourself.
1: Well, yeah. So is God real? We all want to know. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Shit. Okay, well.
2: You're not asking me, are you?
1: <laughs> I'm just so how did how did the deconstruction start? Did that start with yeah. the move? I mean, like what what uh, brought on yeah. that, uh, that beginning of your journey? Um,
2: from a young age, so my parents are are with the navigators. Are you familiar with that ministry? It's kind of adjacent no. to um, Campus Crusade. Yeah, okay. they're kind of started around the same time, and um, their their headquarters are in Colorado Springs, so they're focused on the family adjacent. And mm-hmm. um, I only knew like my dad is an ordained Southern Baptist minister, and mm. uh, he you know he does God for a living. Like this is the thing they have Bible studies mm-hmm. all the time. You know we were always mm-hmm. having people over in our house, um, and you know ministering to people, loving on people. Uh, <laughs> but it was like we didn't grow up in a Christian home is what I have figured out because there wasn't any real love or forgiveness. And, um, I just, I was diagnosed with depression when I was 13, but I think that I was exhibiting signs of it from a really young age. And that's naturally what you do when you feel hopeless. So I just, um, I, Also, another thing you do uh, when you are processing your trauma is when you're in a safe space, finally, when you've gotten away from your family or or whoever um, these people were who held power over you and manipulated you, then you, once you're safe, then a lot of anxiety will start to surface and you will uh, kind of experience a crisis. And that happened for me after I moved up here and started really... um, Um, kind of being more objective and seeing how my family was working and feeling like uh, what, what is actually happening here and, um, Mm. what is real? Do these people even love me? So dealing with that and, um, trying to figure out how I was going to raise my own kids. And, Mm. um, now I've forgotten the question.
1: (laughs) That was just when you started deconstruction.
2: Yeah, now, it guess. started It started early. I was always in trouble in Sunday school for acting up and, mm. and asking why, like, why? Yeah, and I would, on like the comic the cards at church, I would say things like, why? <laughs> 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 and put them in the plate. My parents were like, don't, don't, don't sign your name uh, to that. <laughs> so that was kind uh, of my, my thing. And then mm. um, when I started going to therapy in, I think it was maybe 2008, uh, that was when... Um, I figured out, oh, I could, I could start a blog and, and kind of uh, break down this Christian culture thing I grew up in. So at the time, stuff white people like had just come out. And so, wow. so I, I was like, that's why it's such a dated reference, stuff Christian culture likes. Because <laughs> I, I just call it, you know, I made up this blog spot thing and, and just named it that. And I haven't gotten around to changing
1: it. <laughs> What year was that? Was that around 2009?
2: that was I know I remember it was 2008 because okay. I, I remember how it started I was with um my friend Simone uh and I were obsessed with Supergrass and so we oh, decided yeah. to follow them like on uh when they were touring with the Foo Fighters and she did their MySpace page okay oh so yeah. we uh were able to get in and and like go to all these shows so we went west coast east coast and then her husband um he's a comedian, um, he booked a tour around it, and so we were just in the car on the East Coast on these long drives, and we were talking about the election, the upcoming Obama-McCain election, and Mm -hmm. these, these people, Simone and her husband are total atheists, and they were saying, why do these Christians support this warmonger, and I, I remember telling them, I know all about that, let me tell you exactly, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then they go, you should start a blog, and I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I should, so... (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I do know a lot about this. And it turned out to be, like, just so, I met so many people through it. This was before before Facebook, I want to say, or before Facebook really took off and Twitter was around. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the community just sort of built because there are all these people like us who are going, what, what is this? Is this Mm -hmm. to be trusted? Why do these people say they believe one thing and then they vote for Trump, you know, so. Mm -hmm.
1: And so when you and and Aaron met, uh, you were already deconstructing. Uh, Right. And Aaron, you were very much still religious at that point, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, you know, uh, I can look back and see sort of the inception or, you know, different moments along the way that I was deconstructing, even though I wasn't aware of it. Like I was, uh, you know, things just weren't scanning, you know, things Mm -hmm. I started to go like, wait, what? And really question things. And, you know, politics were a really amazing jumping off point for me in that way, because I started to be like, wait, how is this? How do these two things align with each other? What you say over here and what you vote for over here? And um, and then that, you know, and then that deepened into just everyday life stuff. People Mm -hmm. like I would see their actions and then see what they said. And I was like, why? Why does that not a line and um, but yeah I mean definitely not aware of it and didn't have a name for it at all until you know just a few years ago when that word became a buzzword um, and I didn't I didn't I just didn't ever feel like I had full permission to question everything and to uh, really look at it but people like Stephanie and, you know, Bazan and stuff like that that I saw in my life um, were a huge, you were a huge inspiration to me, Stephanie, as far as my de- deconstruction went. Really? Like, just, yeah, oh, yeah.
2: I didn't know that. Yeah. Nice. Huh. Well, you're, I mean, I knew your, fa- your parents, I'd met your parents, I love Jesse. I mean, mm-hmm. I get I get your family, like, I feel like you and I come from the same um, parents' got saved in the Jesus movement and right. they were really all in. But th- mm-hmm. I think that that was their own trauma response to try to find family.
1: Mm. Oh, and absolutely. Ha- so have either of y'all seen that documentary that just came out, Jesus music? Mm-mm.
0: No, I haven't.
1: I need to watch you. it. I've got a bunch of songs in it, but I don't. Oh yeah. That's cool. who did it. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I think it's actually done by like Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant and such. Oh God. And, um, <laughs> first. Anyway. um, I, I watched it. It's uh, There was a lot of information I didn't know. Also, it glosses over. There's, like They take like two seconds to talk about the tooth and nail movement and stuff. But like, I don't know. It, it was interesting, um, to say the least. But I didn't know much about the Jesus move- movement. I mean, like, they were definitely, my parents listened to like Second Chapter of Acts and sandy Patty and stuff like that. But like, I never really knew anything about all the stuff prior to that.
0: Yeah, it's really fascinating. I mean, I would love to do an entire episode or episodes about the, you know, the birth of that whole era, Um, especially, you know, I I only really know about the the West Coast, California kind of connection, where Mm -hmm. Vineyard and Calvary Chapel came out of that one group, and and I don't even know that much about that, I've read about it, but I think what you said, Stephanie, is so true, because it was such a time of, you know, like there was... Our parents' generation were, they were seeking, spiritual seeking was a huge
1: thing mm-hmm. at the
0: time in general. And um, all of the trauma coming from their parents' generation and how they were raised um, and just all the changes that happened in the culture of the United States and all that stuff and that sort of like rebellious thing. But then, like you said, finding family, I think that is spot on. And yeah a huge part of my more recent deconstruction and spiritual growth has been to start seeing the people that were involved with more compassion and not and mm-hmm. and sort of moving my resentment off of individuals and onto sort of um establishments and
1: structures rather than on particular people. Yeah. 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 The uh the other movie they basically were saying that these people were coming from the hippie culture where they were doing like just lots of drugs and free love, but they were feeling they're feeling empty afterwards, which, you know, I think we all do when we try to put all our eggs in any basket, you know, or, or mm-hmm. look for fulfillment in anything that and so then they, you know, pivoted and then they kind of the pendulum swung the other way and then they got really into Christ and found churches where they were accepted and still being long-haired, and bearded, and and smelly, (laughs) and, but, you know, like, actual uh,
2: Jesus, (laughs) yeah,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah, and, you know, I can't blame people for wanting to find happiness, and love, and acceptance, and, like, a tribe, you know, a family, and such, Um, what I hear from from you, Stephanie, is basically what I grew up was the exact same thing, my dad was a minister, and I constantly kept seeing, uh, hearing that I was, things were supposed to be a certain way, but then seeing them, you know, when people were in higher power at the church or whatever, doing the opposite, and then I was never allowed to question anything. Um, I definitely constantly was depressed, definitely uh, always was worried, you know, what's wrong with me? When You know, I had depression around the same time as you. And, and of course, then they take me to a Christian uh, therapist, you know, oh. rather than a, a regular one because they don't uh. want, you know. Mm-hmm. I, my mom's favorite phrase has always been "You got to be careful when it has anything mm-hmm. that isn't Christian involved with it." You know, and oh, even I was thinking, Christians.
2: "Well, that's good if she's saying that about Christian therapists." And then, I'm, then immediately yeah, I'm like, "Of yeah. course, <laughs> she's not saying that
1: <laughs> about Christian no, therapists." No, no,
2: no. You got to be careful there's secular therapists.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful about that. that. Was that's her most famous phrase?
2: Oh wow wow wow, that's
1: yeah. a
0: lot. Yeah,
1: yeah, I. That makes me think
0: about. Just all the mental gymnastics going around because a lot of the stuff that I would see or think, you know, didn't line up. I would there was always some rational, rationalization way to explain it away. About there you always know, is, yeah, always. Like, and it and it's really when you when you step. I was literally just talking to my girlfriend about this like two days ago. When you step back from like bring, being brought up in it, it is no different than all the cults that they highlighted and said, mm. look at how crazy these people are. Look at this crazy mm. shit they believe. There's literally no difference. No yeah. difference. Because, no. And it
2: operates according to a cult in that if you challenge it, you are out. Yeah. My family disowned me. And mm. they disowned my brother and my sister as well. And they will tell everyone that we all just walked away. Mm-hmm but that doesn't happen to no. a family with three kids that all three don't <laughs> just no. walk away that doesn't happen no. i mean that's cult mentality and i yeah. feel it with other family that i have um that if you question it they're you're disposable and so that's the definition of a cult and that's yeah. not the definition of love
0: no well, and i think it i think that the other i think that that is there's to to me there's two big principles that i've identified Uh, recently and that's one of them and the other one is kind of in tangent with it but it's like everyone else is wrong except for us
2: i know yeah 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 yeah. and And that is like human nature red flag
0: one, in my opinion
2: it's the the foundation to enable abuse and Mm -hmm. it's nationalism and
1: and what's so frustrating is that in the bible it teaches that if it is the bedrock, that if we dig for it, if you search for it, you'll find the truth. So questions shouldn't be
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why are they a threat? They why are y'all so threatened?
1: Yeah, I exactly. wrote that on the
2: comment card when I was like 12. I'm like, why are you so threatened by my questions?
1: <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> yeah, I love exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love your, your childhood. Like, it's so yeah. awesome.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I know. I wish I had that moxie at that age. I, was just
2: I, don't know where, I don't know where it came from. I think I was like the protector because I'm the oldest.
1: Yeah, Uh do your kids? Have they given you any of that? (laughs) Where you're like, (laughs)
0: Um,
2: if anything, if the the best way for them to rebel is to be like a conservative Christian, and (laughs) we've been a little worried about them actually going in that direction. It's like, oh no, No. Judah is now twenty, and he's like, communist China isn't as bad as you think it is, North Korea, and I'm like motherfucker we are going to uh have a talk you know and then it's like yeah. why do i care like this is just him needing to differentiate my yeah. spiritual director is like you haven't given him a lot to push up against you know because oh, can, right. like you yeah because I've, I've constantly directed my kids to listen to their intuition mm. and yeah. um, that's to make decisions that for themselves Yeah. I mean, we were taught to (laughs) distrust our intuition because we were raised in cults. And thank Mm -hmm. God I had my breakdown when my kids were small and was forced into therapy before, Mm -hmm. um, you know, their little neuro patterns were really cemented. But I was able Mm -hmm. to tell them, like, how do you feel about that? I was able to ask them how they felt, let them be sad, let them be angry. Um, We weren't allowed to process our emotions that way. And that's why we are all these depressed addicts mm-hmm. <laughs> here in our 40s. Yeah, it's
0: yeah. The, it was flesh, you know, it's mm-hmm. your flesh. And that Don't was flesh. That.
2: Yeah, yeah. You're, you have a rebellious heart. Yeah.
0: So tell me a little bit more about, like, how you got from that moment when you were starting therapy and you started the blog to sort of establishing kind of where you're at now as, as far as your kind of different your main plat is your your do you feel like your main platform is your Instagram account? Mm. or do you feel like it Yeah,
2: pro- probably at this point. And yeah. I work hard not to think about it. Um yeah. it, I mm-hmm. I work hard to keep it an outlet for myself and to um constantly remind myself this isn't my job to right expose the patriarchy and to expose all this abuse. It's not Mm -hmm. on me. You know, there's so many people doing this and um, if this doesn't serve me well, then it's not going to serve anyone well. So, I mean, I don't make any money off it at all. Um, Mm -hmm. that's, I think Uh, that's a big part of it Mm -hmm. is I don't want to get money involved because once you do that, it's, that's a really slippery slope. Um, So, uh, it's just if if I see something funny, then I'll put it on Instagram, and, <laughs> and, and if Dan Price is um, getting charged with felony rape, then I'll tweet about it like that sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> But I I do work to keep it decentered from my perspective and my in my ego. Oh my God, that's another thing. It's like oh wow, people are listening to me, you know, as a neglected child you're like this mm. feels really good Yeah. for absolutely. people to be saying tell me what you think I mean the fact yeah. that y'all are asking me questions and so you know it's like oh mm. so serotonin, um, serotonin release yeah. uh, <laughs> wish I could uh, <laughs> recreate that for myself and then goes back to the therapy work you can create that for yourself yeah. like there are little bitty we are kind of there are versions of us really small that are still in there and we can I mean the, the crazy thing Sorry, I'm being a little bit tangential, but I do mm-hmm. think it all ties in to we can give ourselves that supply. Mm-hmm. We can give ourselves that parenting. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's such, I'm 47, it's, I've had 47 years of trying to find it outside of myself. And yeah. to be able to say, I can actually give this to myself and I don't have to bother anyone else for it. Um, mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could all work this way?
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's I mean, so good and true and terrifying at the same time because it's, oh yeah, you know and something you just said made me think about a concept that is sort of new to me and maybe a year, year and a half old. But and I think I got it originally from Tara Brock. But it was it's this thing about like where growth is actually remembering. Yeah. So it's remembering who you really were and who you really are. It's about those things that have been scarred over and hidden for so long, Mm -hmm. and it's not so much about finding new, it's about finding the old, 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 old thing that was in you when you were a little kid, and you didn't have those fears, and you trusted, and you felt safe, Mm and um, I think that is really interesting, and like how much our body stores that stuff, you know, and once yeah. we start getting in touch with our body and in touch with the ability to parent ourselves, we can uncover that stuff. Um, it was always there. Um,
1: totally. I mean, that's literally what I'm working through in and, um, therapy right now is like mm-hmm. growing up in the church and, and the way I was raised, I, I'm a, I have, I have a servant and a duty kind of, uh, personality and you have a servant heart. Yeah, and, and the, the whole, like, my, my the only way I can get serotonin, the only way that I feel like I have worth yeah. is when I'm doing stuff for other people or mm-hmm. or doing things, you know, that I'm supposed to do that makes you a good person or whatever, and, and like, uh, my worth comes from what other people think or how, you know, I don't know, how, how much I'm helping people, and I need to learn to, to just, like, I can't, I'm working through, like, being okay, with being myself and being alone, you know, and, like, I, I I can't, that's so hard for me, I get alone, but oh I, I, I yeah. just like, you know, I need someone else mm. to tell me that I have worth, I can't tell myself yeah. that, and Those. Mm-hmm. that's exactly what you're talking about, Erin, I have oh, to go back and heart. remember what my childhood, you know, what I wanted and what I needed and what mm-hmm. I need now and find that and give that grace and, and love to myself and that's hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's terrifying to you, but. Oh God, yeah. Do you, do you journal? No, I should. That sounds like work.
2: <laughs> See, that's, that's, I really want to say that I think journaling is the starting point for connecting to exactly what you're talking about. Like okay. there's like a, there's a, this is so hokey sounding uh, and earnest <laughs> and cheesy, but there's like a really cool person inside that cannot, you, can, you that you want to hang out with, you know, like, like yeah. it's, Everything that you see, every cool person you want to hang out with, you you are only drawn to them because that's a reflection of you. Mm. So if you can, if we can really go in and see, uh, yeah, and, and connect wow. with that. So I, have you read the Artist's Way?
1: No, uh, I'm not familiar with that.
2: Because she talks I'm familiar about not read it. I, I knew you would be. Yeah. They. Um, but my big takeaway from the Artist's Way was the morning pages, which she says to do every three pages of free form thinking, just whatever's off the top of your head, every morning, mm-hmm. by hand, she says to do that, three pages. I'll do one, but I would love mm-hmm. to do three, um, mm-hmm. I'm getting better about, yeah, time management, because apparently, um, procrastinating and overscheduling is a, a conditioned act of self-loathing, <laughs> 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 but, um, so that's part of my process, but anyway, oh, if okay. you can, um, like, it seriously makes you feel so good, you feel like you've run five miles, if you're mm-hmm. able to just journal, just, just write, what, what, what am I really thinking? Cause we're walking around like zombies. We don't know.
1: Is this my we homework don't... for the next week?
2: Well, yeah. Guess, <laughs> that's the really negative connotation. is. like, you get to do this. <laughs> like I, I'm handing you like $10 million. It's, it's the greatest, <laughs> honestly.
1: No, but, I, I'll try it. I'm honestly, I've thought about it because you know, like I have all these thoughts throughout the week and then that's the whole thing too. When you go back to therapy, like I do it every week and go back and I talk to her and she's like, so what have you dealt with this week? And like I have the worst memory, and so I can only remember like a small portion of it. But if I have journaled it, I'm also a visual person. Whenever I go see someone speak, I have to write down, or I'm not going to retain any of that. So mm-hmm. it totally mm-hmm. makes sense. Just
2: yeah, my lazy. thing. My thing lately has been like to put on a movie that I don't really want to pay super attention to, but um, and then just journal, just like mm-hmm. write yeah, on a mm-hmm. legal pad, awesome. just fill yeah. them up. I used to buy expensive journals, and now I buy like this crappy legal pads.
1: Yeah, that's great. <laughs> go to town. And the other thing is, in 20 years, you can sell it for your book dealer. You know? <laughs>
2: that's another thing. <laughs> I, like, I run them underwater and rip them up. Like,
1: oh. you know, it's
2: kind of terrifying. Because <laughs> you're like, I don't, you know.
1: My wife and I have done that stuff where you write down uh, like things that you're processing on paper and then f- have moments of silence and throwing it into the fire. We've done that kind of <laughs> stuff before. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah, good. That's that's major. So I so, had a question for you. Sorry. No, I, I think I was just going to like basically ask the same question you had before, but with more clarity. Like, how did you move from being a forum and starting with your blog or whatever to where you are now with Instagram? What What was that transition like? Because that's basically what you asked, wasn't it, Aaron?
0: Yeah.
2: You know what? Um, two years ago, my my friend who is a spiritualist um, did a reading on me and she said i'm picking up that you uh, have a message that needs to get out into the world and mm. you're mm. not getting it out there enough and i'm like fuck so um, i started the instagram for stuff christian culture <laughs> <And> <laughs> like i'm just going to move it over here so that i don't know if that's a very satisfying answer but i just No like, that's an awesome
1: answer. I hey, love that. Was
2: that was 20, uh, 2020. Yeah. It was during the oh, okay. pandemic.
1: pandemic. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it, she's really fascinating. Like, like, you know, they say not to go to psychics, but, um, mm. you know, she's, she's not, not a Christian. She just has like a lot of crazy spiritual insight. So, um, it was, it's not unlike a spiritual director or a priest or a pastor, you know, Those, mm-hmm. these people are like, I see this in your life. Like, how's that different from a psych? So anyway, yeah. it all, it all goes back to your intuition, but, yeah. You know, you have to do what lines up and resonates for you. But I'm like, yeah, I could be doing a little bit more, but I, you know, I have a full-time job on the side that has nothing to do with this, so this is, like, really peripheral for me at this what point.
1: Is, what is your full-time job, if you don't mind saying?
2: Um, I do risk analysis for a hospital. So yeah. my degree is in health information uh, administration, and, you know, it's just completely left-brained, and mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing creative about it at all. And you
1: know, then this is what
2: I care about. This is what I think about all the time. You know. Yeah.
1: In your free time, you do emotional risk analysis. I do. Analysis. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, so there's a blog, there's a Twitter, and there's an Instagram, and there would be a Facebook if you could get the uh, the password back. Is that correct?
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I haven't updated the blog in like that's been mm. over five years. But yeah, I just I just run my mouth, and you know. Um, hopefully inspire some people to think twice about what we grew up in
0: and I'm curious about um if there was if you sort of felt like once you had your first platform or any of them if the floodgates just opened or if there was a gradual sort of um evolution of you feeling comfortable being completely brutally honest about the things you were feeling
2: mm. oh yeah for sure I um I did not talk about my family Mm -hmm. until recently. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Mm. I actually think I haven't, um, talked about being disowned until just in the past year. Mm. I haven't felt the freedom to talk about that publicly, but I do think that that is, um, that this might be the song that she, my psychic friend saw me needing to sing. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I did a Vox interview in December, uh, about being disowned and it was, um, uh, because the point of the article was that a lot of people are becoming estranged from their families in the wake mm-hmm. of the the Trump election.
0: Right. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: So um, that that was not why I was disowned. I'm sure it would have been if I had been already. Yeah, <laughs> but, totally. <laughs> um, just to see that this is its own pandemic is people like being um, overtly. Uh, cut off from their families and the emotional fallout from that um, how badly we need family and connection we're pack animals Um, Mm -hmm. how we've been conditioned to be uh, to feel comfortable in unhealthy dynamics like you said uh, Matthew that you feel more comfortable when you are kind of um, uh, cutting yourself in half or diminishing yourself and figuring out what someone else thinks of you or how you can help them. That's how you find mm-hmm. your identity. Like, that's that feels comfortable to you. And right. um, so, you're having to work to get healthy. Like, all of us have been conditioned to be drawn to these things that diminish ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, I, I really do think that this is like an emotional pandemic. Mm. And it's directly related to addiction, um, mm-hmm. I started going to Al Anon a couple of years ago with my friend who was going because her husband is an AA. And so mm-hmm. there's, there's AA, which is Alcoholics Anonymous, obviously. And then Al Anon is for the family members and friends of the alcoholic. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just found it to be incredibly helpful uh, because I feel that people treat religion uh, like an addiction so much of the time. I feel that's how I grew up. I feel that uh, evangelicals absolutely act like addicts, you know, will overlook the truth, will overlook the tenets of of Christ's teachings in order to vote for this apricot hell beast, I <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like to call him. They will defend him to the death and yeah. um, deny science and, it's, and justify, you know, caging refugees and separating families so anyway just that cognitive dissonance is conditioned in in the exact same manner that an addict will defend their addiction mm. to their yeah. substance yeah and so al-anon was so helpful for me to see that and the book codependent no more mm-hmm. and now they're like everyone needs to read that
1: yeah yeah we'll rich start
0: a book club go ahead I'm yeah. sorry. oh no it's okay richard rohr's book breathing underwater um well. he talks about um that everyone's addicted to something and and that in his opinion the the most prevalent addiction that literally everyone has is we're addicted to our own way of thinking and um i think that's what one of the things what you just said reminded mm-hmm. me of that because um you mm-hmm. know i have my um story with addiction too and you know i've spent off and on, until the last year or so, I've spent about thirteen years in and out of the rooms of AA. So um,
2: I actually didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I had and, no
2: uh,
0: idea. Wow, how about that? Yeah, and uh, and uh, yeah, so the correlation. Well, actually, one of the reasons I had to leave AA is because I it started feeling like it was a call too. <laughs> so right. I kind of had to get out of there. Yeah. So, um, especially you know, and I was I'm that was you know AA was a bit Different in Seattle than it has is in the South for sure. Uh, oh yeah, and, but I can uh, imagine. But yeah, so I think that's interesting. Um,
2: I wonder how Al-Anon would um, be for you if you saw yourself as a partner to someone with an addiction, being hmm. your family of origin.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because I've had multiple people in the program recommend me checking out Al Anon. Or mm-hmm. um there's also um adult children of alcohol. A C Yeah, my them?
2: sister's really yeah. into A C A. Adult ACA, children of yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's another group that I've got a bunch of friends that are in and, and they're all different pla you know, they're either kinda Al Anons or they're AA's, but they they only go to ACA and um but I think that whole idea, that whole premise of correlating addiction mentality with, um, this sort of tribalism that, and, um, this, uh, realization of how this cult mentality works, um, has been a big thing for me too, because, um, you know, the more space I have away from even, I, I, you know, I don't even identify as a Christian at all anymore. And the more time I have away from that, the more space I have to just sort of, it's that permission thing. I mean, I've said this before, but like, I think I said it on the Growing Up Christian podcast. But I remember right before I read Love Wins, which was a huge thing for me in my life, uh, I, I literally felt like God gave me permission to question him. Mm. I felt this like very strong feeling that that the divine or whatever was like, yeah, you you always have had permission to question me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's never been a condition of mine that you can't do that. And that was like the moment for me that was like, oh, okay. And that was only like four years ago. Aww.
1: Um, and so, I think that that's how that's how relationships can only grow. I mean, like whether it's a partner or, or a really close friend at some point, you have to have some turmoil, you have to question them, you have to question your relationship, and work through some of that to become closer, you know? Yeah,
0: it moved it out of the space of transactionalism, for me, is what it did. hundred percent, yeah. And, uh, which is, was, you know, that was the biggest thing. And now, everything else is just gravy. You know, some days, I am hardcore Richard Dawkins believing atheist, and some days, I am like, really into reincarnation, you know, and some days I'm really like, you know, I, am and I feel very comfortable not needing to define what I believe. I don't think there is much value in defining what I believe. I think it's all about intuition. It's all about what serves me. How does, how can I retain my values, my, my core values and uh, which, you know, I've been able to define on my own. I had another thing happen in the last couple years where I, I realized that I'd never th- even thought of what the definition of values were. And they're what you value. Because mm-hmm. my values were always imposed upon me. And they were, they were completely transactional. It had to do with that weird dissonance between nothing you can do will change how God views you. But everything you do will change how God views you. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> like, uh, it's
2: that subtext that is so insidious. Mm-hmm. Because they say all the right things. But you cannot listen. You have to be very careful, Matthew. <laughs> you can't listen to their words. You have to watch what they do mm-hmm. yeah. every time.
1: Well, actions do speak louder than words as much as we want to say the contrary. Yeah. I mean, and what you guys are saying about religion being uh, an addiction and stuff, it, it attracts. That makes sense. We, we, I don't know that I've met one person that has not dealt with depression or that doesn't hasn't had moments where they don't, if not constant moments where they don't like themselves and so and we are like you said uh, Stephanie pack animals and stuff so like if you want to feel accepted you want to feel like you're doing the right thing that helps you cope with the rest of life that we've been it's been hammered in our heads that religion is where that is you know if I go to church every Sunday and I learn this and I do that and and then the next step is like I can't question this I can't um, if this is who I'm supposed to vote for, this is what I'm supposed to do, then that's what I'm supposed to do because that's what makes me a good person. And mm-hmm. I think I'm a terrible person. So if God thinks I'm a good person, then I must be a good person. You know, those kind of like, you know, line of thoughts, I think is what most people do and how it gets them where they are. And I, there's so many people that just don't think for themselves. They're afraid to think for themselves because mm-hmm. th- that's a scary place to be, you know? Um, and and especially. To God, okay, go ahead. I thought you were
2: done. Please keep going.
1: No, I, I was just going to... So the last thing I was going to say is that like you you talked about being um, disowned by your family. That's something that I'm super afraid of in my life because I don't see eye to eye with my parents on things. There's lots of things that we don't see eye to eye and then I have lifestyle choices that don't align with what they want and they've always said that I, when I go out in the world that I'm representing God and I'm representing them and if, if they... I'm so worried that if they knew who I truly am, that they would cast me away, you know? And I think that that's also what people deal with and they're afraid of, you know? Like, can I be authentically 100% myself and believe what I believe and question things and learn and grow and still be loved and still have value? And I think that that's what people are dealing with. And it's so much easier to just go to church every day and vote for Trump.
2: (laughs) It's so much easier. And the road to hell is paved with not even good intentions. It's, with, it's paved with what's easy. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know yeah what's totally. totally.
2: Um, and this is what enables these horrible abuses, just people turning a blind eye when they know what's going on. And everything you described points to uh, points in the opposite direction of love. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was devastating for me to yeah. finally uh, realize my parents don't love me, like to be able to... Figure out, does that mean I'm unlovable? Mm -hmm. Because that's where you go, you know? And so that's, you know, I I talked about the little versions of ourselves inside, you know, there's like a newborn baby whose mom didn't want to hold her, even though she was a Lamaze teacher and a baby nurse, you know, um, and right. a pastor's wife, like that was their identity, you know, it was to appear loving, but behind closed doors is a different story, and we knew that on some level as small children, so, you know, every moment of every day is uh, an opportunity to tell yourself the truth, mm. and, uh, 100%. figure and tap into the value of who you are, and mm. the whole, I'm going to use the word holy, like, you, the fact that, you know, life is holy, like, any, mm-hmm. any, any iteration of life, there's something amazing, we can't manufacture that, and I love how Richard Rohr says that he, um, he goes, this might clinically make me a heretic, but I don't believe that you necessarily, literally need to believe that Jesus was a virgin birth. It only points to the fact that we cannot create the divine presence. Mm. And I love that so much because mm. when you, from that perspective, when you take it away from, you must believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that the holy blah, blah, blah. Like when mm. you take it from that and look at, I can't create that plant over there, I, I can't create that butterfly, and mm. and, and I'm I'm part of, of that network, we're part of something more whole. Mm. Yeah. And the words whole and holy, I just really feel they're interconnected, so. Um, going back to the fact that our parents couldn't love us well, it's only because they couldn't love themselves well. They 100%. came from a very, they came from utter deprivation emotionally. No one, no one who treats their kids that way, uh, loves themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of compassion for that. Like they yeah. are little squealing infants themselves. Mm-hmm. And I've done an exercise race. I read this book called you can heal your life by Louise. Hay. I super recommend it. Um, mm. Christians would freak out about it (laughs) because she believes in reincarnation, blah, blah, blah. But she talks about your inner child um, and developing compassion and um, to see your children, sorry, to see your parents as small children Mm. who are who are crying and confused, you know, they're toddlers and can you take them into your heart and love them? And like, can you put Mm. the small version of yourself in there? Like that has been major for me. And I think that that is kind of ground zero of cultivating uh, a whole lot of healing for myself in, in regards to being able to see the truth, which is that they know not what they do. I mean, I can't, I can't, renounce christianity because those are my favorite words they know not what they do Mm -hmm. i really really don't think that so many of these people have any idea um Mm -hmm. what's actually happening they're just trying to survive and i'm not trying to make excuses for the harm that they do but um so like i don't have to be resentful and i don't have to carry carry that which destroys me um as a result of resenting them if i can see that they don't know what they're doing
0: yeah, and that's the that for me. That's this concept of and rather than or. Like, oh yeah, um, you know <clears throat> that they can be in that state of not knowing what they're doing, just like you said, and still responsible for their actions. Those both of those things can occur in the same space. And Absolutely. I think that there's this binary way that I, at least, I was raised implicitly or explicitly to look at things like. But you know either or and right. I think the and mm-hmm. is so important um, and gosh I I wanted to and yeah I want to read that book I wanted to bring up something that I think I, I just really want to hear your take on which I think may be a bit unique is uh, demographically um, but so, to me, in my life and my personal story, like, the real wolf in sheep's clothing were these churches that appeared to be really culturally re- relevant and really cool and, like, you know, just didn't have these sort of typical norms of, like, what you would think of, like, Bible Belt, Fire and Brimstone kind of churches. Like, and, and you know, I see Cal- the church I was raised in, Calvary Chapel, as kind of, my start of that journey. And then I think Mars Hill definitely was a huge, you know, it was an evolution of that even where, cause to me, like from where I'm sitting, the abuse and the manipulation and the control was so hidden. It wasn't overt. It wasn't out there um, as quite as clear. And it, it was more of a psychological abuse to me personally, um, because it took me so long to be able to even go, wait, wait, no like no 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 because it was yeah. like cool like I could I could go to church and wear eyeliner even and you know mm-hmm. only about half of the people would like glare at me you know and I could be you know praised for making weird music or whatever you know that wasn't typical Christian music and then I think you know I, for, for me my, my story with Mars Hill is not I never went to Mars Hill I think I literally attended there like twice but I knew Mark before Mars Hill even existed And um, you know, just seeing that plat to me, the platform was like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna really show people that you can be like cool, you can be like a cool normal person, and that that's what Jesus wants." But then, really, what he was ended up doing, in my opinion, was reinforcing these just horrific um, patriarchal values. You know, these really gross misconceptions even about the bible if you even believe in the inerrancy of the bible and and what how it was intended to be you know his whole masculine jesus kind of thing and all that shit but um i'm curious about what your take is on that coming from the south coming out to the west coast in seattle and then sort of seeing this kind of if If it was something foreign to you if it if it kind of came across as this kind of different flavor or not and and uh, and also just what your story was with Mars Hill just encapsulated a little bit anyway
2: yeah, I remember um so coming from the Bible belt um we went to Grace Seattle, which was a presby- Presbyterian church, PCA, right. the kind that doesn't ordain women. But that, the, it was liturgical, and mm-hmm. Phil Peterson was doing the music, and I absolutely loved it. And it mm-hmm. was, I, I just loved it. Um, I, I really responded before. to the liturgy. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing y'all there. Um, and it was a community, it was our new family, and... Um, So, and I love the building that we met in the seventh day Adventist building. And I have to say that I was really drawn to that building because it was like mid-century. had this like cheesy picture over the baptismal. And I was just, there's something about about Mm -hmm. that that really played into it. So I think that I was, um, I I just want to, I'm speaking to the aesthetics of it. It's Mm -hmm. like the liturgy, the music, and the building. (laughs) The architecture of that building all meant (laughs) a lot to me. So that's how people get sucked in to things that um, seem cool. Now, when Mars Hill came along, um, they were already pretty big when I heard about them. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, something's not sitting right with me, but there was a Sunday that there was a gay pride parade and we couldn't, like they're blocked off all the streets so we couldn't make it to Capitol Hill. So we're like, well, let's just try this Mars Hill thing because everyone's talking about it. And, we walked in and they go, here's earplugs. First of all, it felt like a warehouse. It felt like Costco. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it was like, I was getting like, um, you know, PTSD flashbacks from the Bible belt, but, uh, they go, here's earplugs. Cause the worship music's really loud. And I'm like, fuck y'all. Like, that, that, I think that's all it took to be like, yeah. Something's, okay, this is just like, I, I like, it, it's not cool. If you have to act cool, like there's something about that where I'm uh, like, you guys are basic bitches, but anyway, so, so it was massive. Me. And, um, Mark Mark got up there, and he spoke for an hour. I remember that sermon was an hour, and he's just riffing, and yeah. everyone was hanging on to every word. He was talking about wine, like he was so impressed with himself for talking about wine, and I'm like, who's this dildo, you know? <laughs> All right, but, <laughs> but he said, I remember specifically, he well, he talked about sex from the pulpit, which I was completely used to, because evangelicals love to do that, but he said and the wife needs to have sex with the lights on if that's what the husband wants. And everyone clapped and cheered and laughed. And I had oh, had enough therapy at that. this point to know that statistically 40% of the audience were sexual assault survivors. And thinking, what is this going to do to them to hear the pastor, this guy in spiritual authority say that? Like I had to, mm-hmm. I couldn't really put words to it in that way at the time, but I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh, 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 uh just red flags all over the place. So then. I started hearing from women who were, were having severe mental health crisis crises. They attended Mars Hill and they, uh, were in, they were, they should have been hospitalized, Mm -hmm. uh, for how bad their mental health was Mm -hmm. because they were saying, Stephanie, I signed a contract called a covenant with Mars Hill that said, I'm not allowed to go to regular counseling, I can only get counseling within Mars Hill, but I want to kill myself and I want to kill my kids, I don't know what to do. And they say, she said, each, each of these women, it was more, way more than one, would say, I can't um, go to a regular counselor or even a Christian counselor outside of Mars Hill because I signed this thing, but the lay counseling inside the church say, you just need to submit to your husband more and pray harder. Mm-hmm. And these women were like, I had a career, and then Mars Hill seemed cool, so I started going to Mars Hill, and then they pressured me to get married, then they pressured me to quit my job and have all these babies, and now I have all these babies. And so their mental health was, and they just had to serve their husbands all day. And mm-hmm. it was wow. it's just the most insidious bullshit that was permeating. I can't. I just saw these women and their kids just being destroyed, and that wasn't good for the husbands either. Like, they, well, The they, husbands like, were... A- they were like, encouraged. Nasty, but they were encouraged, so they're like, "Yeah, I'm the king of the castle." Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And, but they weren't be, you know—that's not e- equal. Like that's not good for them to to mm-hmm. have that wield that kind of authority. Like that's not cool. The mm-hmm. patri- I just always want to say the patriarchy hurts men as well. So mm-hmm. um, I see that. Anyway, I, I talked recently to one of my friends who was a she had been a midwife at the time, and she had many many clients who went to Mars Hill, and she said all of those Mars Hill women report abuse. And the husbands don't want to leave them alone with me when they come for their OB appointment. But uh, when I get them alone, the wives will say, I wish that our fights didn't get physical. Mm -hmm. And um, she she goes, they would tell me that they were not allowed as women to say no to sex and that the Mars men were not allowed to masturbate. And so they just kept having all these babies. I mean, you want to talk about a cult and you want to also talk about sexual abuse. That's disgusting. And, um. That's what was going on, and I don't know if anyone talked about that in the Mars Hill podcast. (sighs) I don't think. I mean, there's so much real stuff that did not get talked about uh, in that Christianity Today podcast. Yeah,
0: I I had you know friends that were going in and then out, and I was hearing personal stories, you know, either secondhand or from people about that completely back up everything you just said, like, like so crazy, and. Mm-hmm. I personally, like, even before Mars Hill, thought that he, Mark was just really toxic. Like, he was just...
2: Well, asshole. I look at him and an I asshole. see a little boy who had yeah. an alcoholic father.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, throwing I, tantrums, basically. and Not
2: to excuse him, but No, absolutely. I, I feel like he's re whatever uh yeah. reenacting behavior yeah so, one of my so- songs
0: on my on two 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 solo records ago one of my one of, one of the songs on it is about him it's called invincible mm-hmm.
1: i've never mm-hmm. even told anybody that before oh. but um <clears throat> but uh well what i was going to say was uh, for people like me i don't know what marcel is or who Mark Driscoll is. I, I don't even know what you're talking about other than hearing these stories for the first time from you and hearing that this church is some kind of cult. Uh, is there any kind of background for people that don't know that we might need to know? Like, is this some mega church that I should know? It was know a mega about? church. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's part of the Acts 29 network. Are you familiar with that church planning network? Because Mark Driscoll no. was president of that, and they have churches all over the place. they all of them in the South. The producer for the Christianity Today podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, was a... An Acts Twenty Nine pastor in Louisville, and there's a giant scandal if you dig on that. And mm-hmm. I have a feeling that that's why he didn't want me on the podcast as well, uh, because for that sure. would come up.
0: So. A huge conflict of interest for him. Big, for it's, sure. gi- it's a massive yeah. conflict
2: of interest. So yeah, it's just yeah, well, really it's it's so painful that that podcast got so much attention when it it was replatforming Driscoll. Like mm-hmm. they, so many people would tell me. Every episode, they're like, "Well, Mark did these things bad, but he's really good guy in One Lost Souls for the Kingdom." And they like would talk about how cool he was. They're like, "He Mark was just so cool and funny," and it just kind of mm-hmm. got back around to replatforming him. And my current pastor, her name is Rose. She was a big part of taking him down, but and she was interviewed. But she goes, "Stephanie, um, they gave me a ninety minute interview, and they only used ten seconds of it in the podcast, oh, and what? they made it my look god. like I was supportive of him."
0: Oh my god.
2: And every that time a woman surprise. is on the podcast, they're like, she's this guy's wife. And they didn't have women on the podcast until people start wow. saying, why aren't you having survivors on the podcast? And so then finally they got around to it. But, dude. So, yeah, anyway, long story short, Google, Mark Driscoll, Mars Hill. And, um, yeah. you know, they ran him. He, he had to step down after... Uh, stuff surfaced where he called women penis homes so that was in 2014 but um yeah but um he has another church near phoenix i want to say um that is it's called trinity church and giant abuses like you would not believe like koresh sort of shit is going on there Hmm. and um my friends here who did go to mars hill have a podcast called veterans of culture wars where they interviewed two security guys two security guards for mark's new church trinity church in arizona they just got fired and they gave a full interview actually it's been oh a i need
0: to listen to that
2: love it. it's wow. insane.
0: yeah he um yeah christian nightmares has posted some stuff from his new church i believe either yeah, yeah i think uh-huh. they have and um
2: christian nightmares guy
0: but yeah um it i i think you know if it, there I, I feel like there was I can't remember if it was a Stranger piece that came out about the disciplinary, some kind of nightmare stories about their kind of, dis, you know, the way they would did discipline. Um, it was really damning and, you know, I'm sure was explained away by people that were still going there. But, you know, I saw eventually kind of a mass exodus of all my friends that were really involved. Because it wasn't just a church. it was It was a huge corporation. You know, yeah. it was a media company. It was like this whole branding of all these bands and you know because their, their worship teams were all had band names and would put out records oh, and I yeah, mean, it was totally. and you know it was it was a huge thing that a lot of people i know a lot of even companies i know got in bed with on a level that was really hard for them to to disconnect from when the shit started hitting the fan and um you know i remember even he i, I I'm, I'm assuming he was drunk when he would do the late night tweet things that were where he would just say real real weird crazy shit um I mean I'm hoping he was uh to be completely honest uh but I, I remember hearing all the people sort of rationalizing that all that stuff too and um I guess we're kind of running out of time but I, I wanted, um, yeah do you, do you have any more questions I, Matthew? Well, we,
1: we had three listeners send questions on one of oh, them cool. particularly asked about this thing um uh, Josh Rao said I heard uh Stephanie say in another podcast that her views on the collapse of past, he put pastor in quotes, pastor Mark Driscoll were too racy for the rise and fall of Mars series by Christian Christianity Today, where there's certain mm-hmm. stories that earned her the, like the um, of invitation like opposite. invitation.
2: So this guy, there's a screenshot out there that my friend drew sent me when um, that the producer of the Mars Hill podcast um, sent him where he said that, I, he goes, Stephanie is too, uh, it's her, her hostility, her vitriol, and frankly, her vulgarity make her an inappropriate fit for this podcast. So wow. I think it's that I'm a woman and that I'll tweet about, I'll say like wank and stuff. like I, I, yeah. tweet, I tweet like a guy, mm-hmm. and um, at the top of every episode of The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, they're bleeping out someone saying, asshole. And so it's like, but I'm, I'm too toxic. And, you know, they have known abusers, people who have put their wives in hospitals, but they're Mm -hmm. pastors. So those guys are all over that podcast. So I want to say, and do not dismiss me for this, Josh or whoever, whatever it is, (laughs) that it's because I'm female. Mm -hmm. I do have um, a male alter ego that I have cultivated for many years just to see how differently I'm treated. If people think I'm a guy, I will say Mm -hmm. the same stuff as myself. And then I'll say the same, you know, use my male pseudonym. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that they dismiss me for or or, or will actually me for when they think I'm a woman, if they think I'm a guy, they'll say, good point, man. I never thought about it that way. It is fucking insane. And I would yeah, love surprising. for every man to have a female pseudonym and see the 180 that people do.
1: Mm, it's that insane. Is- yeah that's sad so it's, very it's
2: interesting just an excuse. he doesn't they did Christianity they didn't want me on because yeah. I'm a threat to their agenda because I'm not scared of them, and they okay. took down my facebook they had something my fa- I'm just going to say my Facebook page went down around the same time
0: yeah so. yeah <laughs> I think you posted that screenshot on on Instagram
1: yeah, I think I did yeah I think I saw it uh, Josh also said, what if anything gives uh, you hope about the future of the global church Oh. Mm. Um, that's a, that's, we don't have enough time for that.
2: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so uh, people are, they, they tend to be surprised for how angry I am at, uh, all the damage that evangelicalism has done that I am still really drawn to. I'm drawn to Catholic churches is what I'm drawn to. Mm-hmm. I, I try to go, I go by one almost every day. I just like to sit in them and, mm-hmm. um, I'm really drawn to Mother Mary. And, uh, I have had, I want to, I want to say I've had a lot of healing, um, spiritual experiences with her and mm-hmm. I felt mother energy from her. And, uh, there, I, I don't want to dismiss people who are atheists. I don't want to dismiss anyone's experience because if you have not had spiritual experience then it sounds insane to you um but i i really cling to these moments of being i feel like i've been given perspective that everything is moving towards wholeness Mm -hmm. and um the the all the pain that happens um it informs something greater That's it's not. That sounds very evangelical, Um, but but I just I'm just trying to say it's all part of the whole, and it makes me think of the mini pearl quote where she said the most important color crayola in the box is the black one because it gives depth. Uh, (laughs)
1: Like, and
2: she said that on her deathbed. Apparently, that um, the hardest moments gave so much depth to. Her overall life. I, I don't know. I'm sorry if this sounds really schmaltzy and enneagram. No, Grammar, but, no, that's great. Um, I have so much hope, and um, I, I really have been benefiting from changing my thinking from being so negative to realizing you can choose positivity, and that's it actually awesome. makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And our brains. Are plastic and you can you can mess with it you can rewire your the little trails your thoughts tend to take
0: yeah, <laughs> you can change them. Yeah. yeah
2: it's it's so hopeful so yeah
0: i think that i have a lot of hope in the crisis the crisis i see a little bit reflected that they the evangelical church sees deconstruction as a crisis you know they're mm-hmm. responding to it as if it's it's like some you know plague biblical proportion mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and uh i that gives me hope you know cuz that that just means a discussion around all this can start at a at a bigger level and people can start having a voice and cuz it's yeah. it, it's really about to me about that inability to have the discussion was always the problem mm-hmm. and totally um so that gives me hope because I, you know, I do have really, you know, I'm a huge Sam Harris fan and I have I have huge problems with just institutional religion in general, but, um, but I don't believe, you know, I don't think people should, that people's beliefs should be dictated in any way. I think if it serves you, if it's working for you, if it's making your life have more love and more compassion and more empathy in it, then, then you should keep going that, down that path. So yeah. I'm I'm hoping too on a global scale that that can you know happen. I don't have a lot of hope that it's going to happen in my lifetime, but um, you just never know. Maybe AI will come in and just fuck everything up for us and take care of it. So that's what right. a positive. But uh,
2: I know uh, I have a feeling it'll extend beyond our lifetimes, and that's fine. You know we <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, the other two people. So I got, uh, Evan Garcia asks, uh, any relation to the old stuff Christians like blog? I'm oh. that's your <laughs> blog, right?
2: No, there's okay. There what's funny is after I started stuff, Christian culture likes, I, f- I found that there had already been a guy in Nashville. I want to say, mm. um, his name was John Acuff and he had started stuff Christians like, and oh. he's a nice guy, but he had not deconstructed, anything (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um we were friendly but he was in a different place and he um yeah so we were we were always nice and he went on to to each other he was nice to me but he went on to work for dave ramsey and dave ramsey fired him and it was (laughs) it it was insane and i um (laughs) I remember Matthew Paul Turner telling me, like, "Oh, John Maycuff just got fired. Dave Ramsey called him and his wife in to dress him down for something he did, Jeez. and blah blah. And just isolated him, waved the gun around, and staff meetings, that sort of thing." So,
1: do you, do you have any other uh, like uh, blogs or anything? Because I found Lolly um, Truly, Doggy, Dog Teeny, Doghead Theater, oh and Ve- Venus Hill that seemed like they were all. Oh yeah, Venus
2: point. Hill. Okay, Venus Hill was a podcast I did with my friend who was a therapist, and that was kind of an answer to Mars Hill to do the mm-hmm. Venus Hill, but that, no, was, cool. that was a while ago. Um, oh, that's funny. No, those are all like, those are like 15 years Different, old. Yeah. Defunct, But okay. thank you. <laughs> Thanks for finding those. I don't even know if yeah. I can find those now. <laughs>
1: um, the, he also said, uh, if you've had therapy, do you... I mean, this kind of, we have kind of talk about but If you have therapy, do you need a Christian therapist that might understand the culture to know where you're coming from or one that has nothing to do with the Christian scene and provides helpful guidance and insight outside the limited box of Christian emotional language? I mean... That is such a good question.
2: I... I always say that I've had good therapy and bad therapy. Um, I got yeah. extremely <laughs> lucky to, to find... Um, a therapist who was very trauma informed and also was very familiar with evangelical culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went to the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, which is run by Dan Allender, and I have been so helped by their work. If you can read stuff by Dan Allender or, or like kind of seek out people who um, went to Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, I, that has I can't think of anyone who does it better than them for understanding Mm -hmm. the culture and they Mm -hmm. you know when you go to what's so funny is people move here to go there and they think they're going to just the some nice bible college but they deconstruct you all the way down first semester and (laughs) they really make you go why do you believe this and um it's yeah so I I have a lot of respect for them and they're not perfect but um they are really working to, to uncover the truth behind all of this, and I, I, I really recommend trying to find someone associated with, with that school.
0: Um, I had a really interesting experience out here coming from Seattle when I, uh, I've, you know, worked with a few different therapists out here, and mm-hmm. I literally couldn't find one that wasn't a Christian. Right? Literally couldn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, I'm, and what I'm kind of Christians joking.
2: are they? You know what I mean? Like, well, are they the kind of Christians who, who are like, oh, yeah, I voted for Trump, you know? <laughs> right. So <laughs> you know,
0: when, once I realized that I had to give up on finding one that, that didn't identify as a Christian, I, I, I basically got into this thing where I just said, like, the guy that I'm working with right now, I just said the first day, the first thing I said is, look, I'm just going to assume that you're a Christian, and I don't even wanna know. I don't even care, but I just need to know that you aren't gonna inject that into your therapy of me. That that mm. that you're that you're not gonna be more concerned about my salvation than how I'm processing my life today. Yeah. Because I have run into therapists that literally put my you know, anything that I would say that would maybe give them pause about if I was in the book of life or not, that became oh, a focus over yeah, anything I should, I else. <laughs> and okay. um So that's not therapy. That's literally not therapy. And uh, so, yeah, I think that is pushing an agenda at that point. Very interesting.
2: Um, I would say uh, go to an Episcopal diocese and ask about spiritual directors. Mm. I have a spiritual director who's this Episcopal Buddhist mashup. Mm-hmm. And she's wonderful. She's from Indiana. She was in a Methodist Church for a long time. She knows the culture. She's like a grandmotherly presence, and she's amazing. She's a licensed social worker, and um, all about that's non-attachment. Awesome. And uh, yeah, find a spiritual director because they won't have that evangelical
1: bent. Yeah, you that's real, that's great. Advice. I mean, from, thank you for me when I was looking for my therapist. I basically I think how, how you should do anything like that. You're paying for it. I'm going to make a list of what I'm looking for. So I. First of all, research looking for that, and then when I found someone I thought matched that, I then asked them again. I'm looking for someone that's LBGQT+, you know, uh, positive, uh, supportive, someone that uh, has worked with people with non-monogamy, and people – someone that has worked with uh, religious trauma, specifically uh, Southern Baptist, you know, and – was interested, and I, I had to talk to two or three people before I found somebody that that I felt like their responses were something that I would edify me and help me, and mm-hmm. you know teach. You know, we could work together. And so far, it's been going well. But yeah, I mean, it's that's the hardest thing is finding a therapist. That's a no, lot of it work. Is.
0: It
2: is so much. And my insurance doesn't cover anyone that's ever helped me. I pay out of pocket.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I've never. Oh.
2: Unfortunately, like good therapy is like three dollars a minute, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's yeah. worth it at twice it's the price. Totally. Like, it's the savior of fucking mental health. So,
1: yeah, 100 percent, And your family and your kids. Um, well, and, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Is there any more questions? Yeah. There, uh, Evan had one more. And then, and then we have one from uh, Jamie. Uh, Evan. Uh, also, this was uh, on a lighter tone. What's the coolest piece of merch you have from a band movie or show you like?
2: Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I might, I have a VIP pass from Supergrass on the Foo Fighters tour. Yeah. I keep in an old bag. Those guys, yeah. are nice. I I feel like such a groupie. That like it's 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 so like. I, I don't like that culture <laughs> i'm kind of embarrassed yeah, for yeah. the like oh i'm associated with this person like that whole thing but i love Supergrass. Yeah. they're so nice they're so good they changed my life that in, a, in it for the money album came out 97 oh, that was i was you know great. 22 it's still maybe my favorite album
1: do so you I, like gas is- coombs newest album I,
2: um like, you know Mm, it's not the same. I like supergrass. Oh, I, I like supergrass.
0: So I listen they, um, to In It for the Money probably once a month still. God, Seriously.
2: it's so good. It's so good. They I feel like that's what the Beatles would do if they were around in ninety yeah, seven. Mm-hmm.
0: And mm-hmm. uh love, love love them.
2: They what? um asked me to I just remember Mick Quinn asked me for um some quotes for the reissue. Um I should Coco reissue a few years oh, ago nice. and, and then like so my name made it into the lane you know that, that so that oh, might be the coolest that's so cool. yeah, thing I
0: just
2: that, I just want to yeah. reiterate that I love them as people I think they're very kind so I'm that's
1: just awesome. jealous you guys. I'm to, gonna plug in my phone but um, yeah. keep going <laughs> yeah mine's about to go dead too uh the last question I got is from Jamie uh Bonsall he says uh who was your favorite twitter antagonist to spar with I mean one who actually puts up a puts up good arguments which had you may maybe made you go hmm not just one who defends their tribe
2: oh my goodness um antagonist to spar with let's see i don't spar with anyone who's like antagonistic for a good cause
1: um (laughs) that's part of the point
2: right right oh gosh Oh, it's hard to think of right now because I'm trying to decenter myself from Twitter antagonism lately. So, <laughs> I just I really appreciate Christian Nightmares. I love yeah, that man. guy.
1: Yeah. Are, are you all friends? Uh, uh, and do you have the same kind of goal, or do you find that you are opposing each other and what your goals are?
2: Or? Oh no, our goals are straight straight (laughs) aligned the parallel that's what i i mean he's a complete atheist as far as i know but i just appreciate people who have a room who are atheists who have room for my um
1: theism i suppose so that means a lot yeah how did that oh go ahead I was just gonna say that I have to. I haven't said this yet, and I feel like I need to come clean. I do follow you, but I have the and and Christian nightmares. But I have the hardest time actually looking at and, and or reading any of yours or their posts because it literally triggers me. I, I oh, just yeah. I can't do it most of the time. Like every once in a while, you'll yeah. you'll post something, and I'm like, oh okay, yeah, that like, and I feel affirmed or feel. But most of the time, it's just hits so close to home that I get a pit in my stomach, and I'm like, scroll past, go go, get a, get away from this. You know, are you an Enneagram tough. nine? <laughs> I don't know.
2: Are you a nine <laughs> or two? I would imagine. Okay, no. I think um, I'm
1: a two actually. But okay, because you need help.
2: But the fact that um, you respond that way means there's something important there. And oh yes, yeah, sure. Um, and, and you know that, so I, I just think it's a really good sign that you yeah. are. Uh, triggered by it because it means you're deconstructing if that didn't trigger mm-hmm. you then you like wouldn't be noticing that you're a frog in this water that is slowly the heat's turning up you know
1: totally mm. 100 yeah yeah
0: there's a picture I, i'm trying to remember the story a photo i took of a shirt in the base on it i don't even remember what it said um, this is a great story Aaron. No, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. It is a good story. I just, I'm trying to find it. It was like in 2018 or something. It was this funny Christian shirt that I found in a Salvation Army or Goodwill or something in like Everett when I was visiting. And somehow it ended up on Christian Nightmares and I don't, I feel like it had to do with you. Oh,
2: yes, that's right. You sent me a picture. And yeah. I posted it, and then he—he he reposted. A nightmare. It. I don't even know his real name. He keeps his identity super under wraps. But yeah, I remember he posted it,
0: <laughs> and yeah. it was, I
2: was like, "Hey, you know, you were like, I, I took that, and I think I even said it at the top, like I hadn't cropped it out. It was like from Aaron. So
0: yeah, I felt anything. I felt so famous for a minute. There. It was <laughs> awesome. Like you posted it, and then he posted it. I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm really mad at myself for not buying the shirt too. I'm really pissed at myself. Were you find buy- wouldn't I would wear, wear that real, shit real 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 real
1: real around.
0: Yeah, I'll find it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just I just wanted to say thank you for your time. Um, yes, thank you so much. It's yeah, just means cool. a ton to me to just get to kind of catch up and see your face and hear your voice. And uh, thank you so much for what you do. Like, you make me feel so seen and known with just your hilarious stuff that you post on Instagram and um, I laugh so hard at some of it and I send it to people and I just wanted to just say thank you like sincerely from the bottom of my heart for what you do Um, and yeah thanks for doing this and I hope uh, things just keep moving in the direction they're moving for you
2: that's so kind Thank you guys for hosting this and inviting questions, and I'm just so grateful there are men out there like you who want to listen and do the work, and I really appreciate it.
1: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the thing that goes back to what we started the whole conversation about. Uh, We were never told to question. uh, We were, you know men were told to speak and that you were supposed to listen and that we are actually are realizing that it needs to be sometimes the other way around, you know,
2: um, we all, Equality. Need people, yeah,
1: we all need to be people that listen and, and, and question and, and grow. And, and that's what we're trying to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I found the post by the way, it's, it's a shirt that has a bass guitar, and a pick with a cross on it, and it says "base" really big, and then your your life on Christ underneath the base. <laughs> wow, I love
2: that. How did you resist buying that? That's amazing. Wow.
0: I don't know. I, yeah, I can't, you, you I can't should be wearing. head right around. Now. I know. I would wear it with pride, <laughs> pride, <laughs> pride right now. Um, all right, thank you,
1: Stephanie. And yes, we, like, if I gonna, it, will
2: send it to you. Is there okay, anything
1: you yeah. want to plug, or or that we need to that you wanted to say before we close this out?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no i got nothing <laughs> i
0: mean we're gonna cool. we're gonna do an intro we're gonna tape an intro and outro to this and we'll make sure people know specifically yeah, yeah. How, to, how to find you on twitter Yeah,
1: and, and when we post know, it i'll Instagram have links and all that
2: yeah oh, you guys are so nice thank you for doing this
1: yeah thank yeah. you really appreciate thank you so so much love you guys yeah bye. have a good one bye, bye. bye. all right uh, well what do you guys think i hope you enjoy that conversation we both really loved talking to her uh kind of was an ADHD uh fever dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> of trauma bouncing around uh, i love it uh let us know what you think and, and what thoughts you have uh, on it and and such make sure to go give her a follow on Instagram um and Twitter and it's stuff christian i can't say that stuff christian culture likes is is how you would find her and uh yeah our next episode is going to be with Jason Vena of Acceptance, who uh, you may know because Aaron has done some albums with him. And mm-hmm. we'll be performing with him in October.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's going to be exciting. And as always, please uh, send us any and all suggestions, comments, criticisms, questions to moontravelingpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And you can also find us on Instagram at moontravelingpodcast. And our Facebook group is kind of the best way to interact and find out the inside scoop and find our playlists from the episodes and stuff. And that... way, how do you find that? Moon Traveling the, Podcast
1: on Facebook? I think you just have to search it. I yeah. don't think we have like an actual URL or anything. Yeah. Um, and yes, of course, if you get a second, go check out our Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash moon traveling podcast. See if there is a a level that works for you guys. Thank you so much for for your support. And again, if you want to check out my new single, it's on all streaming platforms, and you can pre-order over at pacifico.bandcamp.com. Yeah, You can find Aaron at Aaron Sprinkle on um, Instagram, Facebook, and such. And you can find me at Pacifico Rock. So, well, I guess that's it for today. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, have a wonderful, uh, I guess, month, and we'll see you very, very soon. Yep, bye. Bye.